This is a tunnel. It took 14 years to dig through this for this tunnel. It was done with a hammer and a chisel by a man named Ramchandra Das. He lives in India. And the people in his village had to walk 4.3 miles every day to get to the fields where they worked. He was tired of it. He was sick and tired of this 4.3-mile walk he had to take every day. Uh, basically, he, was, he would have to leave his truck, uh, and he was very scared that his truck was going to get broken into. And he's like, there's got to be a better way. This tunnel is 33 feet long and 13 feet wide. It took 14 years with a hammer and a chisel to dig through this tunnel. That is perseverance. That is dedication. That is stick to And that's what he did to get through a hard time. This morning, we're talking about hard times. What happens in our lives when the hard times come? We're talking about going through hard times, trials in life. How many of you would describe yourselves as having been through a trial recently? How many of you have been through a difficult time recently? You could say that the hard times have come. I saw a lot of hands. And I believe that I've talked to several of you. I know that I've talked to several of you. And I've talked to you about the hard times that you've been going through. Prayer requests. Hurts. Heartaches. Brokenness. I've talked to a lot of people lately. I've gotten a lot of phone calls. People sitting in my office talking to me about hard times. We all go through them. We all have difficult days. We have difficult weeks. We have difficult months. A lot of us have difficult lives. What do we do when the hard times come? Well, we've been talking about the book of Acts on Sunday morning. We've been talking about uh, stories from the book of Acts, famous stories. And today is no exception. We've been talking about stories that we know. Uh, And today we're going to talk about a famous story about a man named Stephen. And we're going to talk about... Stephen's life and and when the hard times came for Stephen. And it's hard times like none of us have never known. And it came really fast and really quick. But it was a hard time. It was a difficult time. And we're going to learn three lessons from Stephen's story about how we can deal with hard times. What do we do when the hard times come? So if you have a Bible, if you can locate one, if you can grab one, turn to Acts chapter 6. And that's where we're going to begin, is in Acts chapter 6. So who is this guy named Stephen? That's who we want to talk about first. Who was Stephen? In Acts chapter 6, a problem arose in the church. The Jewish widows of Greek origin, of Greek heritage, were being overlooked in the daily distribution of the food. We've talked before about how the people in the early church took care of one another. When there were people in need, they would sell their property, they would sell their possessions, they would sell their land in order to raise money to help those in need. One of the things that they did, these new Christians, these new people who followed Jesus, was they would take care of the widows who were in need, who needed food. And daily they would hand out food to these Jewish widows. Some were of... were. Uh, of Greek origin, and there was no one looking after them. They were being overlooked. They weren't getting fed. They were hungry, and they were upset about it. 
And so this problem arises. And they come to the apostles with this problem. And the apostles say, look, we're busy with the work of praying and, and teaching. It would not be right for us to overlook those duties in order to hand out food. So they came up with a solution. They were going to choose seven men who would be in charge of making sure that everybody got fed. One of the guys they chose was Stephen. Stephen is described as a man full of faith, and he is full of God's grace and power and the Holy Spirit, and he did miraculous signs and wonders. Stephen was a special guy. He was uh, one of these seven first uh, people, one of these first seven servants who helped the, the, the women out, the widows out. But not only that, he was also a strong teacher. He was very, very wise, very full of the Holy Spirit. So that's who Stephen was. Let's talk about Stephen's story and what happened to him. If you look there in Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 8, that's where we're going to begin if you want to follow along. Stephen, this man full of God's grace and power, had a problem. There were people who were in the synagogue, the synagogue of free men, who were rising up against him and complaining about him, and they started to make false accusations against him, saying that he was saying things that he wasn't saying and doing things that he wasn't doing. Hard times were coming for Stephen. So these people rise up against him, they falsely accuse him, but their accusations could not stand up to him. He was guiltless. He was blameless. They tried to pin him, pin things on him, but he was like Teflon, right off of him. They could not find any fault with him. They could not find uh, any accusation to, to stick against him. If you look there in verses 12 through 15, it says, They stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Chapter 7. We get to chapter 7, and chapter 7 is one long answer to his critics. See, Stephen knew his story of his faith. He knew the history of his faith. And he started all the way back with Abraham, and he starts with Abraham and talks about the fathers, the patriarchs of, 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 of Judaism. He talks about Abraham and Jacob and Isaac, and he talks about Joseph and how Joseph was used by God to save many lives. He talks about David and Solomon. He talks about Moses. He talks a lot about Moses and how Moses said that God would raise up someone like himself. And that person that Stephen was talking about, the one who Moses saw, a prophet like himself who would be raised up, was Jesus. He goes on and on and on throughout chapter 7 all about how the, uh, the story of his faith. And he knew what he believed. And he went on and on and on about the... Uh, the, the patriarchs of, of Israel. And we get to Acts chapter 7, verse 54, as he goes through this, and he talks about his faith. And uh, he says in verse 51, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, Jesus. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was put into effect through angels but have not obeyed it. When they heard this, they were furious with him, it says. 
They gnash their teeth. You ever been so mad that you just grit your teeth? You have children, you know what I'm talking about. They gnash their teeth at him. They were more than angry. They were livid. They were livid with him. Start there in verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. That did it. They covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. How do you do that? When they threw stones at you, when they were stoning you in those days, it wasn't like, you know, little pebbles. It wasn't like little gravel that they were throwing at you, hoping that it would somehow hurt you. Big stones, big rocks that they would throw. They'd take you, throw you off a cliff, and they would throw these stones, these big stones over. And, and stoning was meant to kill you. And as they're stoning him, as rocks are falling out of the sky, landing on Stephen, he prays, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And Saul was there. He said when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. The next part in chapter 8, the very beginning of chapter 8, says a great persecution broke out against the church on that day. And the amazing thing about this is that it is a prophecy. There is a prophecy that is fulfilled in this persecution that breaks out. Hard times have come for Stephen. Stephen is persecuted. Stephen is is killed by stoning, and now hard times have come for the church. Persecution breaks out. It says that they were scattered. Everyone except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. So they're all scattered. All these disciples, all these followers of Jesus are scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Do you remember back in chapter 1 what Jesus said would happen? He said, I want you to stay in Jerusalem and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They are fulfilling through persecution, his words are being fulfilled. As the disciples are scattered throughout, not the apostles, but the disciples, the followers of Jesus, as they are scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, they are fulfilling prophecy. They are fulfilling Jesus' words. They are taking the gospel out of Jerusalem, and now it's going to begin spreading to the ends of the earth, to the point where now 1.6 billion people or so on this planet say that they believe in Jesus Christ. So what can we learn from this? What does this have to do with hard times? What does this have to do with the hard times in our lives? I believe that there are three lessons that we can learn from Stephen's story about the hard times in our lives. The hard times that come in our lives may not be persecution of, of, of any kind. It may not be persecution uh, at work or persecution at home or persecution by our neighbors, anything like that. Hard times are hard times, whether it's persecution or not. Hard times come for every single one of us. And the first thing, if you look in your uh, bulletin, you'll find a handy-dandy outline there on about the third page. The first blank on your outline is when hard times come, you need to know what you believe. When hard times come, you've got to know what you believe. Stephen knew the history of his faith. He knew what he believed. He goes on all in chapter 7 over and over again talking about the history of his faith and why he believed what he believed. He knew what he believed. And he could stand up and he could stand firm in what he believed. Do you know what you believe? Better yet, do you know why you believe it? 
You see, that's a tough question. Do you know what you believe and do you know why you believe it? So that when the hard times come, you can stand firm in the midst of hard times. And let's face it, all Christians go through hard times. We all go through daily trials. We've all lost loved ones. We've all gotten sick. We know people who have gotten sick. We have relationship issues, medical issues, financial issues. All these things, all the stresses of life. If I hear the word drama one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. What's left of it? It seems like there's drama everywhere. It seems like there is uh, a never-ending battle against hard times in our lives. And it goes on and on and on. Do you know what you believe? Do you know why you believe it? Jesus talked in the Sermon on the Mount about two men, a foolish man, a wise man. The foolish man is the one who goes out and builds his house on a foundation of sand. He builds his house on a foundation of sand. And when the storms of life come and threaten to knock down the house, there's nothing for the house to stand firm on. And sure enough, the house falls flat. You all remember the song, wise man built his house upon the rock. Yeah. Um, The foolish man builds his house on the sand. The wise man, though, builds his house on a rock. And the, the, what Jesus qualifies as being a wise man and a foolish man is those who hear his words and put them into practice and those who hear his words and do not put them into practice. Those who know what Jesus said, those who do not know what Jesus said, those who know what they believe, those who don't know what they believe, those who know why they believe, those who don't know why they believe. Are you a fool? Are you a wise man? Are you a wise woman? Do you know what you believe? Do you know why you believe it? Because you know what? If you haven't had hard times in your life, hard times are coming. They will come, and there will be hard days. Christians do get cancer. Christians get into car accidents. Christians lose loved ones. Christians have broken hearts and broken relationships. Christians have addictions in their lives. Christians have sin in their lives. Hard times come. There's no way to avoid them. Christians are just like everybody else. We look all around us and there are people suffering, there are people hurting, there are people dying. Everywhere we look, people are going through the ringer. And we are just like everyone else, except for one thing. Christians are forgiven. The sins, the addictions in our lives, we are forgiven. We have a place to turn. We have a faith to fall back on. When we're going through the hard times, do you know what you believe? Do you know why you believe it? Can you say, I believe that God is my refuge. I believe that God is my strength, that God is my fortress because I've been through the hard times and he's been there for me. He's gotten me through them before. He'll get me through it again. Do you know what you believe? Do you know why you believe it? Life is not a trip to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Little Oompa Loompas, Oompa Dee Doo. That's not what it's like. Life is hard. Life is hard and life is difficult. And there is a God who cares about you and a God who loves you and a God who will get you through the hard times if you'll let him. Do you know what you believe? Do you know why you believe it? That's the question. Second lesson we can learn. When hard times come, look up. When hard times come, Look up. That's what Stephen did. As they were stoning him, as they were getting ready to stone him, he looks up and he sees heaven open up. And there's Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. He looked up. And what I mean by that is when hard times come, you've got to look to God to get you through. You cannot make it on your own. 
Stephen didn't fight against those who were accusing him. He didn't fight against those who were going to stone him. He didn't thrash about and and, uh, call down a thousand angels on him. He simply looked to God. He looked up. Sometimes in our lives we'll think, well, I I would. I, I, I turn to God, but this really isn't that bad. Or we'll say, God's got more important things to deal with. Have you ever said that? Anybody ever said that? Well, God's got more important things to deal with. He's, he's got to worry about poverty in third world nations. He's got to worry about this oil spill down in the Gulf of Mexico. He's got to worry about uh, needy families in America or, or needy children or homeless people. Or, or he's got to worry about earthquakes and tornadoes. And he's got so much on his mind that my problems really aren't that important. That is not true. If God loves you enough and cares for you enough that he would send his son... He would sacrifice his son and allow his son to be beaten and tortured and crucified. That he would allow his son to die for you. Then you can't tell me he doesn't care enough to hear from you about your prayer requests. He doesn't care about you enough to, to know that you're going through the hard times. He knows you're going through the hard times. He sees it. Look up. Turn to God. But what do we do? We think, no, 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 no. No, I can handle this. I got this. I will pull myself up by my bootstraps. I will do it my way. I will do it. I, I can do this. I've got the strength. I've got the power. I can make it. No, you can't. You cannot make it through the hard times of life without God in your life. You cannot make it through without looking up. You can try, but life will beat you up and beat you down. Look up. Turn to God for the help that only he can give. Turn to God for the help that he wants to give you. A lot of people think that the Bible says that God helps those who help themselves. Anybody know who actually said it? Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin said, God helps those who help themselves. And you know what? It's a lie. God helps those who turn to him. God helps those who seek him. God helps those who acknowledge their need for him. God helps those who say, God, help me. God helps those who say, God, help me. Are you going through persecution? Are you going through heartache? Are you going through financial difficulties? Are you afraid you're going to lose your job? What are the hard times that have come in your life? Are you brokenhearted? Are you missing somebody? What are the hard times that have come in your life? Look up. Look up. God is waiting to hear from you. God wants to help you. God loves you. And he loves you. And he loves you. And he loves you. And all you folks up there, he's pretty fond of you. He loves you. Every single one of us in this room, everyone hearing my voice at this very moment, God loves you. And to say that God's got bigger things to deal with either limits God's power that he, oh, he can't deal with my problems. That limits God's power or it limits God's love. Well, he's got bigger things to deal with. He's, I'm not that important. You are important. God loved you enough to send his son. He loved you enough that he would rather, he loved you so much that Jesus would rather die than spend eternity without you. That's how much God loves you. 
Finally, when hard times come, and this is the tough one, when hard times come, find the good. What are you talking about? What good could possibly come out of this situation? What good could possibly come out of my circumstances? When hard times come, find the good. In this story, we see that because persecution broke out against the church, the gospel was spread. Because persecution broke out against the church, the gospel went out further than it had before. Because persecution broke out against the church, the church grew. That's the good that comes out of Stephen's death, that comes out of persecution. What good can come out of the situation that you're going through? I think of of one thing, of of one very important thing. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of scripture verses that back this up. Perseverance and character. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Consider it pure joy. Rejoice in your trials, is what James is saying. Romans 5, 3 and 5 says, We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. I think of two stories from the Bible about how good comes out of bad circumstances. The first is the story of Joseph. Joseph was thrown, was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was thrown into prison. He was lied about and falsely accused. He was forgotten and left to rot in prison by those who said that they would remember him. And yet, it all worked out for good in the end because when he was freed from his prison and moved to a position of authority in the, in the land of Egypt, he was able to save up seven years' worth of food for a famine that was coming. And he told his brothers when they came back to him, when they told, he told his brothers that what you intended for evil, God intended for good, the saving of many lives. And when I think about the saving of many lives and God bringing the best possible good out of a horrible situation, I think about the cross. Hope was gone. Hope was lost. Jesus was dead. What good could possibly come out of the death of Jesus Christ? The saving of many lives. The saving of many souls. Yours and mine. 2,000 years later. God is able to take horrible situations. He is able to take bad circumstances. He is able to take hard times and work them out for good. God is able to take hard times and we can find the good in them. If anything, we grow in our faith. We learn to trust him more. We learn to rely on him more. We learn that we need him more. And he always comes through. One way or another, he will come through. I think about this guy named Paul Wiley. Paul Wiley was an Olympic figure skater. And at the 1988 Olympics in Calgary, he was in the midst of his program. He had just begun his program. He says, I set up for the first jump in my program, but as I'm in the air, something is wrong. My hand hits the ground, and I feel like the blade is not going to hold up. And he fell. And at that moment, he had a choice. At that moment, he had an opportunity. He had a choice. He says, I start slipping, and as I collapse to the ice, all I hear is the empathetic groan of what seems like a million voices. I struggle to get up, hustling, he says, to get to the next move, thoughts racing through my mind as I try to cover the disappointments. There is no way that the judges are going to forget a fall like that. He is brokenhearted, but yet he perseveres, and he goes through his program anyway, and he finishes 10th out of 10th. That could be the end of his story. 
Hard times come. He buckles under the pressure and he gives up. But this is what he says. A scripture flashes through my mind that helps me with my decision. The righteous shall fall, but they shall not be utterly cast down. He says, God will use our successes and our failures to teach us about ourselves and to show the world his glory. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. He says, I move on. He says, I admit imperfection and I decide to skate heartily as unto the Lord for God's glory rather than my own results. And sure enough, four years later in 1992, he competed in the Olympics once again. And he won the silver medal. He learned perseverance. He learned character. He learned to press on even in the midst of hard times. What are we going to do when the hard times come? Three lessons that we learn from Stephen's story. Three lessons that we learn. First, when hard times come, we've got to know what we believe and we've got to know why we believe it. When hard times come, we've got to look up. Rather than looking around, rather than looking within, we look up. And finally, when hard times come, we've got to find the good. We've got to see how is God going to redeem this situation? How is God going to redeem my circumstances? How is God going to bring the good out in my life through this hardship, through these hard times? It's not easy. And I know from experience, and I know from talking to you all over the last couple of weeks that, folks, I really believe that Satan is attacking our congregation. I honestly believe it. Satan is attacking the the people who make up this family. Satan is attacking our congregation. And the only reason I can think of that Satan ever attacks is because he feels like we are a threat. We are in encroaching on his territory. There are people visiting our church every week for the first time. Some of them know Jesus, some of them don't. And people are hearing the good news and they're hearing the gospel and it scares Satan to death. It scares him. And so what does he do? He lashes out and he attacks. How are we going to stand up to those hard times? How are we going to stand up to his attacks? We learn from Stephen's example. We got to know what we believe. We got to look up and find the good. Can you make it? Can you get through the hard times? Can you press on? Can you persevere? Can you make it? I'm asking you a question. Can you make it? 40, 50, 60, 70 years is nothing compared to eternity. Can you make it through the hard times? God give you the strength. May God give you the strength and the grace to get through these hard times. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Stephen's example, for his story about how he was able to persevere, how he was able to press on all the way to the point of death. Lord, he did, He was not afraid. He stood up. He knew what he believed in. He stood up for what he believed in. He proclaimed that Jesus is Lord. And though they killed him, though they stoned him to death, Lord, we still have his story today to encourage us to stand up in the hard times, whether it's persecution, financial, uh, broken relationships, broken hearts, illness, sickness, Lord, no matter what comes, we know that you can get us through, that through your strength and your power and your grace, that God, you can get us through. And I pray for my friends today who are having a hard time, who in the hard times have come, and I ask that God, that you would give them relief. And I pray that you would bind Satan in the, by the powerful name of Jesus, and that you would, that you would protect us from his attacks, that God, through your strength, 
and your strength and the power of your Holy Spirit, that, Lord, you would protect us from the evil one and that you would deliver us from him and that, God, that you would give us strength to rise up and that you would give us power to declare that Jesus is Lord and that, Father God, through our congregation, through this church family, Lord, that your name would be glorified and that people would come to know the truth and that people would be saved through your grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. We praise you, we bless you, we glorify you, for we know that you are good and we can trust in you, and we can rely on you, and we can look to you, and that you will give us strength. So give us that strength today and in the days to come, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.